you're with us here for the first time this morning, welcome. Once again, we're so glad that you're here. And if you're watching online or over in the venue this morning, we welcome you as well. Pastor Rick Countryman, uh, I'm, I'm a Pastor Rick, but I'm not Pastor Rick Countryman. And Pastor Rick Countryman, our senior pastor, has been gone this last week with his wife, Erin, and they've been on a little getaway. Uh, over the last number of weeks, months actually, we've been studying through the book of Ephesians, a great, great series, and Pastor Rick will be back next week to continue in that book. But this morning, I'm going to ask us all to turn in our Bibles to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 4. And if you don't have your Bible with you this morning, the verses this morning that we look at will be on the screen. And if you're watching online, those verses will be online for you to watch as well. Proverbs is uh, really one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. In fact, you could say it is the wisdom book of the Old Testament. James is really the wisdom book of the New Testament. All of the scriptures really give to us the wisdom of God that we might live lives that are honoring and pleasing, living lives that bring him great, great glory. And so this morning we're going to look specifically at, uh, well, a paragraph, but even more specifically at one particular verse. So read with me, again the words are on the screen, but from Proverbs chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse 20. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk, Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what, is, on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Well, in the, the middle of, of those words that Solomon writes to his son, the wisdom of a father, the wisest man next to the Lord Jesus Christ who perhaps ever walked on the face of the planet, writes words of wisdom to his son. And they're the words of our father to us. And in the middle of these words, there's one verse, guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If there's one thing that I, I hope, I pray, I might, the longing of my heart this morning would be this for us and for you, that you would walk away with that thought. If, if nothing else out of this passage, this is what you would hear. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Well, we've practiced this already, so I'm going to ask you to, to do it again with me this morning, and in fact, uh, several times as we move through this message. But would you repeat this verse with me now again? Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's what we want to examine this morning. Guard your heart above all else 
for it determines the course of your life. That's our key thought. And so as we examine it, very, very simple outline. But the first thing I want us to look at is the object. The object of this verse, and the object is very clear. It's stated, the heart. That's the stated object of this verse, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart. And more specifically than simply the heart, he says, your heart. And to personalize it even further, and this is exactly how we should read the scriptures when we read and we study, God is speaking to my heart. And God wants to speak to our hearts today. He longs to speak to our lives. Even as Solomon is speaking to his son, God our Father is speaking to us. And he's speaking about the heart. And that is a perspective that each of us should have whenever we come to the scriptures. What is it, Lord, that you're saying to me? You're speaking to me. And what is it that you want to say to me? What is it that you want me to hear? Personalizing the scripture is essential for really knowing God and knowing what God wants for our lives. And so personalizing helps us to hear. It helps us to hear what God wants to say to us, to me specifically. And it is important for us to realize that God indeed wants to speak to you. And he wants to speak to me. And he speaks to us through this book. And he longs to speak to us through this book each and every day, if we will listen. And if we will listen, we can hear. David prayed this prayer. He said, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from thy law. And that's what it means to personalize the scripture, to ask God to speak to me, to you, so that we might hear and that we might see. And God longs to do this in our lives every day. This passage is addressing the heart. It's addressing your heart. It's addressing my heart. And even more, it is addressing what God wants to be true in all of our hearts. So let me begin by asking a very simple question. And it, it may sound simplistic. And uh, it's not saying that you're simple-minded. I don't intend to say that at all. But what is the heart? What is the heart? We tend to think of the heart, of course, as, as that muscle that beats with inside of our chest that causes the blood to flow to every, every part of our body, every cell in our body. And medically, we understand how important this thing is that beats with inside of our chest. We understand how important it is to guard our physical hearts. And yet, heart disease, Heart disease is the leading cause of death for men and women, both, not only here in the United States, but throughout the world. It is the leading cause of death. And when your heart stops, your physical heart stops, you stop. It's just the way it works. But that's not really what the Bible's talking about here, and it's not normally what the Bible is referring to when it speaks of the heart. As vital and as essential as the heart, our physical hearts are for our physical lives, the Bible speaks of a spiritual heart, a spiritual heart that is far greater in importance and value and that is essential not just for physical life, but for life and everything associated 
and attached to life in this world and in the life to come. That's what the Bible's referring to when it speaks of the heart. In biblical thought, the heart describes who we are. It describes our person. It describes our whole inner being. It describes the center of our mind, the center of our, our wills, and the center of our emotions. The heart that the scriptures speak of is that governing center that is true in all of our lives, that center for all we think, for all we feel, and for all we decide, the heart. The heart is your inner life that embraces and ultimately controls the physical, the mental, the emotional, the volitional, the relational, and the spiritual components of every one of our lives. It embraces and is attached and controls all of those things. Our spiritual heart is that which is uh, at the center of, again, who we are as a person. It is the place where God meets most intimately with us. It's within our hearts. It is that part of us that is eternal. The physical heart's not eternal. Our spiritual heart, our soul, our spirit, that is, that's what's eternal. That which represents, again, uh, the mind, the will, and the emotions of how God has made us, of how God has made us in his image. It is meant to be the dwelling place of God. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit invades our heart. And many of us as believers, we fail to recognize that, or we, we certainly fail to live and, and uh, to, to pray and to, to walk and to speak in, in representing the one who lives within us. And Paul, I think, understood this all well, the dilemma of the fact that we can forget that. When he asks this question, and I think he puts it in the form of a question because we oftentimes do forget it and we don't know it. So he asks, do you not know that your body is a temple of God and that God's spirit dwells in you? And I have to answer, a lot of times, I forget and I don't know. And it shows in my life. But Paul's speaking of, and really the scriptures speak to all of our hearts. That's true for all of us. We don't know. But yet this heart, this thing that is really the weight below the waterline in our lives is absolutely critical if we are to keep from capsizing when life's winds and waves just come rolling and, and blanketing our bodies. And if we're to keep from capsizing that weight below the waterline, the heart has to be there. And it's what brings safety in the midst of the storm when otherwise our lives would capsize. When our physical hearts are compromised and weakened, our physical lives are in jeopardy. And yet we can have perfectly healthy physical hearts and everything else in life be at risk when our spiritual hearts and lives are unhealthy. And that is why, again, the wisdom of the Proverbs, the wisdom of God for us is this warning Guard your heart and guard it above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Would you say that again with me? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. 
That word heart in Proverbs, in, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for heart is used over 90 times in the book of Proverbs. That's trying to tell us something. <laughs> this is something that's significant. Just as our physical hearts are significant, our spiritual hearts are by far and away even more significant. Our physical hearts matter to us. We're to care for them. We're to guard them. Our spiritual heart is to matter to us. It is important to us. It is important to God. And we are to guard it well. Those numbers tell us that the heart, uh, the heart matters. Our spiritual hearts matter. And that they are unquestionably significant in this book. The book of Proverbs and throughout all of the word of God. And having a healthy heart, a spiritual heart, is crucial for living a life, a life of wisdom, again, which is what Proverbs and all of the Word of God is about, a life lived skillfully, a life lived successfully, and that's God's desire for you, and that's God's desire for me, a life that God intends for us, and a life that brings Him great honor and glory and praise, not only here and now, but throughout all eternity. An unhealthy heart can produce all kinds of problems for us in our lives. And Proverbs describes some symptoms of, of an unhealthy heart, an unhealthy spiritual heart. In Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12, we read there that uh, the heart can be undisciplined. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. And an unhealthy healthy heart is an undisciplined heart. An un unhealthy heart is also a deceitful heart. He who plots evil with deceit in his heart, he always stirs up dis dissension. Proverbs 6, verse 14. And a heart that's filled with deceit is going to stir up dissension. It stirs up dissension within your life. It'll stir up dissension within your family. It'll stir up dissension within your world. A third way that our heart, spiritual hearts can be unhealthy, Proverbs 6.25 tells us, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. And we all know what that's talking about. We all understand that all too well. That just permeates a society that permeates everything we see on TV and everything we hear and see in our world. It's a, it's a world whose heart is lustful, and God longs that our hearts would be different. It's a heart that's perverse. Proverbs 11:20. The Lord detests men of perverse heart, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. It's a proud heart. An unhealthy heart is a proud heart. Again, Proverbs 16, verse 5, the Lord detests, again, the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. And you know what? Our hearts, uh, just we, we know what, what a proud heart is all about all too well, don't we? It has everything to do with our ego. It has everything to do with ourself. It has everything to do with, with our eyeballs being turned the wrong way. They're looking always here instead of looking out there. It's a proud heart that God detests. It's an anxious heart. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, 
but a kind word cheers them up. Has your heart been anxious recently over something? Maybe it's over a child or a grandchild. Maybe it's over a loss. You're grieving, a grieving heart, this proverb speaks of. A sad heart. But there's anxiousness in your heart. <laughs> I wrestle with these things. We all do. I've wrestled with anxiousness this week in preparing this message. I guarantee you. And yet, it's a sign of an unhealthy heart, a heart that's looking in the wrong place. And then the writer goes on, and we're just looking at some of, again, these over 90 times that the heart is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. A heart can be a bitter heart. Proverbs 14.10, each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one can share its joy. It's hard to share the joy when your heart's bitter. It's hard to share the joy because you can't find it. You can't find it. And bitterness is that, that inner resentment due to unresolved conflict in our lives that we can become so entangled with that it entangles our hearts, our minds, our spirits. It entangles our relationships. It entangles everything, and it puts a chokehold on them. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't let any root of bitterness spring up, which defiles the many. And yet we can carry bitterness toward others, can't we? Could be family members, could be family members even that are no longer living. It can be maybe somebody in the workplace who, who said something to you or about you. It, it can be bitterness and resentment can be toward ourselves. <laughs> we're angry and we're mad at who we are, or maybe rather who we aren't. And sometimes our bitterness, and ultimately always our bitterness, when we, we have it, is bitterness that's directed toward God. And we blame him, the one who died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And yet that's where our hearts can go. That's an unhealthy heart. And we can have these things in our lives and not even recognize them at times. We can have a hard heart, Proverbs 28.1. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. And when we fail to fear the Lord and to honor him and praise him and recognize him and, and submit ourselves to him, our hearts can become embittered. Our hearts can become hardened. And when our hearts are hardened, there's calluses and, and they're just, it's just hard to penetrate. And sometimes our hearts can get, become so calloused and so embittered that not only, not only others can't penetrate, but not even the Spirit of God at times can break through in your heart. Not until you get on your knees and you cry out to him, even as the songs we sang, <laughs> and we say, God, help me. God, change my heart. These are some of the symptoms of an unhealthy heart, and they're warnings that need to be heeded. You know, I mentioned that heart attacks, again, they, they, they are the number one reason that men and women in our nation and all around the world die, or heart disease. And sometimes we can have that going on with inside of us and we don't even realize it's there. We don't recognize the symptoms or we refuse to recognize the symptoms or we're, we ignore the symptoms in our hearts. Five years ago, I, uh, I ended up in the hospital and I... Uh, had a lot of symptoms that I had been ignoring for a long time. And 
It was on uh, It was on August 29th, 2009. I ended up in the hospital because of uh, some heart problems that I had been ignoring. And I didn't even want to go to the hospital on that day, as I remember. I don't remember a lot, but uh, what I remember. Fortunately, I have a, a daughter who's a nurse and a son-in-law who's a paramedic, and, uh, and I wasn't feeling too well, and, and uh, Mom brought that to their attention, and they kind of checked my, my pulse. And the next thing they said was, you're going to the hospital. And I said, I don't need to go to the hospital. And they said, the ambulance is on the way. And uh, I had a heart problem, a heart problem that was causing my heart not to beat very fast. And I had ignored that, ignored it in ways of, we had at that time just two little ones, now we have six little ones, the oldest is seven now, so they were a little bit younger. And so when I played with them then and still now, I, I just would, I would be exhausted in wrestling with them on the ground. Uh, a pacemaker was put in my heart when I went to the hospital. And so that pacemaker has caused my heart to, to beat at a faster pace. But now when all seven of them jump on me, I still find myself exhausted, <laughs> even with my pacemaker. But I, I would uh, walk to the top of the stairs in our house. And I'd get to the top, and I'd, I'd feel like I was just going to fall backwards. I'd be mowing, and I'd have to stop. And I thought, what is going on? I must be just, I'm getting old, that's what's going on, or I need to exercise more, or I'm not sleeping enough. And so those were all things in my life that were true, but they weren't necessarily the reason for what was going on in my life. I could drive down to Turlock or to Manteca, which I often did to visit people in the hospital five years ago. I did that a lot. And I, I would be rolling the window down and turning on the air conditioner and turning up the radio to try and stay awake in the car. Or I could be in my office and in the middle of the day, and this has actually gone on for years, where in the middle of the day I would just, I would be so tired and I would, I would just want to sleep. And sometimes I would, I would sleep, I would fall asleep and I would hope, oh, I hope no one's gonna not, you know, or the phone would wake, wake me up. Or even worse than that, I would be, talking with somebody, they, they're in my office with me, and I'm pinching my leg, and I'm praying, Lord, please keep me awake. And so if I counseled you during those years and somehow I fell asleep, <laughs> please forgive me. I apologize to you. So, but there was something going on that, again, I had been ignoring. And this little, uh, little thing here is I have a lot of these, and this is one that I had five years ago. And, and on the inside, it just records dates. And next to the dates, it uh, records my phone conversations for the day. And so I keep this by my phone, and I've done this for years. And after I went back to work, after the pacemaker was put in, I noticed there were some things that were different in my life. I wasn't falling asleep anymore in the middle of the day. I wasn't trying to struggle. Now, I, I, every now and then, will need to take a nap. But it was not like I was back then. And so when I went back to the hospital, I looked at, at my, my phone record, and I thought, okay, who, did I miss something? And so I went into the hospital on 8:29, and my next uh, 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 date was when I uh, started recording again was 9:8. And so it was about, you know, uh, uh, a week, better than a week or so later, I ended up back in the hospital. 
But as I looked back over the dates, all of a sudden I, 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 I had no clue. In fact, I went to my, my administrative assistant. I said, did you do something with my, my, my book? Did you take some pages out or something? And she said, no, why? And I said, I can't figure this out. And so I recorded that day when I, when I realized what was going on. I recorded the day that I went in the hospital, 829. And then I walked back 10 days. And as I walked back the 10 days and recorded the conversations I had, and I recorded the dates, again, I went in on 829. My last record was September 27th. It wasn't even September 27th when I started back to work. But I had recorded September 27th and all the phone calls on September 27th. If you're following, I was having trouble following it on that day. I was confused, but I didn't realize how confused I was. I had September for one, two, three days, and then backing up I, from September, the next days went to February. And all of a sudden, I'm in the month of February for three days. And then I'm in the month of December for three, four days before I was back in the month of August. So for 10 days from before to the time I went to the hospital, I was like in four different months. You know, when you're not getting a lot of oxygen to the brain, it doesn't work very well. And other parts of your body don't work well either. My wife still questions whether my pacemaker is working at times. <laughs> but these symptoms, they're not to be ignored because they can lead to bad things. So let me ask you, do you have any of these symptoms in your life today? <laughs> I've mentioned this week that I've had a few. And there was a time in my life when these symptoms dominated my life. Why? Because I was born with a major heart problem. It's called sin. It means I was born spiritually dead. My heart was spiritually dead because I had, was born with a sin nature and I needed a new heart. And that's true for every one of us. We were born with hearts that were broken, hearts that were dead. And only Jesus can bring a dead heart back to life again. And that's why Jesus, when asked, what must I do to have eternal life, said, you must be born again. You've got to have a new heart. He claimed further, I came that you might have life. Life. Not be dead if in your heart, but be alive in your heart and alive abundantly. And only Jesus can change the heart. And he did that in my life over 40 years ago, and my life's never been the same since. And maybe this morning, you need Jesus to change your heart in that same way. Well, praise the Lord that Jesus came, and he came for the purpose of changing our hearts and to give us life. And even in the book of Proverbs, we see symptoms of a healthy heart. So let's look at a few of those. We see a healthy heart is a committed heart. Proverbs 23, 26, oh my son, Give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. And to come to Christ, really, you have to give your heart to Christ. That's what coming to Jesus is all about. It's saying, Jesus, take my heart. It's broken. It's dead. It's not functioning. It's not healthy. 
and I need you to make me alive, to give me life, life eternal. And so that's where health begins in our lives spiritually, when we commit our hearts to Jesus. It's also a trusting heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, most, many of you probably have this memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and rely not on your own insights, but in all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? He'll direct your steps. He'll direct your paths. And God longs that our hearts would be healthy, and our hearts are healthy when we trust him. <laughs> this week, I've had to trust him. Every day I have to trust him, but sometimes I, I fail to recognize my need for that trust. But living committed and living trusting in, 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 in trust is a sign of a healthy heart. A heart, healthy heart is a wise heart. Proverbs 10.8, the wise in heart accept commands. They accept commands. They accept the, the, the teaching, the instruction of God and his word to us. They personally are listening. They're seeking to hear from God, recognizing their great need. But a chattering fool comes to ruin. A, wise, uh, a healthy heart is a discerning heart. Proverbs 15, 14. The discerning heart seeks knowledge. It seeks knowledge. But the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. Proverbs 22, 11. A healthy heart is a pure heart. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. And God longs that our hearts would be pure before him. And they're made pure through the blood of Christ. But we're to live in that purity. A healthy heart, it lives and expresses that purity. A healthy heart is a peaceful heart. A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy rottens, rots the bones. Proverbs 14, 13, 14, 30. And finally, and, and again, there are more, but a cheerful heart is a healthy heart. A cheerful heart is good medicine. It's good medicine for, for your entire body, for your life, in your relationships, in all that you do. And so a healthy heart is critical it's critical for living the life that God intends for us to live. It's critical for living a life that is, as Jesus promised us, a life that's full and meaningful, an abundant life, a fruitful life. It's critical for living a life that brings God glory and brings God praise. And so I ask you this morning, even as I've asked myself several times this week, how's your heart? How's your heart? Is your heart healthy? Would you repeat with me again Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 4, 23? Let's say it together. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The second thing I want us to look at is in, in this passage is the priority of this passage. And in our translation, it says, guard your heart above all else. In other translations, we read, be careful what you think. Be careful what you think. Keep your heart with, with all diligence. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart more than anything that is guarded. Keep your heart more than anything that is guarded. And I think you get the idea. The significant, significance of our, our spiritual heart is, is greatly significant. It's to be a priority. 
It's to be something that we are to guard and keep more than anything else. We must keep or guard our hearts with more care and more diligence than we keep anything else above all else. There are a lot of things that we're to keep and we're to guard and we're to protect and we're to care for. Our children, our grandchildren, our health, our physical health, how we work, our, our money, a lot of good things in life that we're, we're to guard and we're to protect, but nothing, nothing compares to the guard that we're to protect above all else, our spiritual hearts. It is to be our first and our primary priority. We are to take the condition of our hearts seriously because God does. Listen to what God says in Proverbs 21, 2. All a man's ways seem right to him, and so often what we do and what we think and what we say, it can seem right to us. But the, the wisdom says this, the writer of wisdom, but the Lord weighs the heart. In Proverbs 17, 3, we read, the crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. First Samuel 6, 7, we're told there, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God weighs your heart. God tests your heart. God looks at your heart. Why? Because your heart matters to him. He cares about your heart. I've got a doctor who cares about my heart. There's a great physician, the greatest physician, the great physician who cares about our hearts. And he cares about our hearts more than anything else. He wants the best for us. He wants us to know and experience the fullness of life and the meaning of life that he intends for us to know. He wants to give you his wisdom for living skillfully and successfully in a way that brings him honor and glory and praise. Your heart matters, and your heart matters above all else. Are you keeping and are you guarding your heart with care and diligence, the care and diligence which is to be first and foremost and above all? all else in your life. That's what God wants. Why? Because he loves us and he cares for us and he knows how important our hearts are to him, to us, and to others. And so one more time, would you repeat with me? Again, this is our focus. It's what I want you to go away with. But Proverbs 4, verse 23, let's say it together. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. I want us to look now at the reasons. So, again, very simple outline. But for it determines the course of your life. And that little word for is an important word because it's, it's there to say, listen, uh, this is the reason. This is the explanation for why our hearts are, to, are such a priority to God and why they need to be a priority in our own lives. And again, once again, let me read other translations. Our translation, the one that I'm having us say, 
for it determines the course of your life. Some others say this, because your thoughts run your life. Your thoughts will run your life. It affects everything you do. For out of it spring the issues of life. For from it flow the springs of life. Why is it to be a priority? It is to be a priority again because the heart governs our lives. It governs all that we think. It governs all that we feel. It governs all that we decide. The condition of my, my heart influences and directs everything in my life. Everything. Just as your physical heart flows and feeds every organ, every tissue, and every cell in your body, your spiritual heart impacts and affects everything in your life. It flows and impacts every thought you think, every decision you make, every feeling you feel. It is reflected in your words. It is reflected in your attitudes. It is reflected in your actions. It is evidenced in how you live at home. It is evidenced in how you live at work. It is evidenced in how you live at play. It is seen in how you treat your family, how you treat your friends, how you treat your foes. It affects you mentally, it affects you emotionally, it affects you volitionally, it affects you socially, it affects you spiritually. And there is no place in your heart or your life or in my heart and my life that the flow of our heart does not touch and does not somehow impact. The critical question for each of us is this, is what flows from me flowing from my heart, from a heart that is healthy, or a heart that is unhealthy. Proverbs 27, verse 19 says this, and they didn't have mirrors back then, it says, or good ones anyway, as water reflects the face, looking down into calm water, it reflects the face, so a man's heart reflects the man. The heart reveals what's true in your life. It reflects who you are. Jesus said this in Luke 6:45. The good man brings good things out of the, the good stored in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Mark 7, 21 and 23, Jesus puts it even, even stronger. He says, from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, and I'm sure he as well as us could go on and on and on. And this is not the course God has designed for our hearts. It's not the life he intends for any of us to live. But make no mistake about it. We're to guard our hearts. Why? <laughs> Above all else, why? For it, it governs everything we think, feel, and, and choose to do. And make no mistake, each of us, this is a potential pathway, these things that Jesus has mentioned. This is a potential pathway for each and every one of us that any one of us is capable of following. And we do at times, don't we? 
And I think this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about is when he said, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> this is a great Apostle Paul. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will save me from this body of death for the very thing I don't want to do, I do, and the thing I, I want to do, I don't do. And he's describing, the, again, the, the, the problem of, of uh, a sinful heart, the nature of, of brokenness in all of our lives that every one of us understand all too too real for each of our own lives and when we fail to maintain the priority of guarding our hearts these things that Jesus mentions they can all be true they can all overtake our hearts they can consume us they can control us they can dominate our lives even as believers these things Jesus warns can dominate our lives and so the wisdom of scripture is guard your heart above all else would you say that verse with me again? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And finally, I want us to look at the command. And the command is right at the beginning of the verse, guard your heart. And that's the verb. It's to guard. Other translations say watch over, preserve, keep, protect but they're all imperatives. They're all not suggestions. It's God's command. And he tells us to guard our hearts, watch over our hearts, preserve our heart, protect our heart, keep our heart. How do we do that? <laughs> How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. And I'm gonna take us back now to the verses we, we've started with, some essentials for a healthy heart. And we began I began by reading again from Proverbs first four, verses that surrounded verse 23. And so we're gonna look at the verses that precede and follow verse 23. And the first thing that we know with, in terms of guarding our physical hearts, we're told that, that we need to have proper nutrition. We need to eat right. And listen to what Proverbs 20 through 22, right before verse 23 say to us, my child, Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deeply within your heart. Why? For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. What does it mean to, to have proper nutrition for our, our spiritual hearts? The, this, these verses are telling us, in essence, really, we're to meditate. We're to think deeply on God's word every day. That's our nutrition. This is what feeds our hearts. And we feed our hearts with a lot of things. I'll tell you what, TV is gonna feed your heart with everything that's in contrast to what uh, God says is nutritious for your, our hearts spiritually. This is to be our food. This is what we are to pay attention to. What does it mean to meditate? How do we meditate on God's word every day? Pay attention. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Personalize it. Rick, guard your heart. <laughs> and Rick, guard your heart above all else. Why? For it is what the course that determines everything else in your life, in my life. And so pay attention and listen carefully to my words. 
Meditate on them, think about them. Don't lose sight, don't let them out of your sight. Joshua 1.8 says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? That you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And what are the results? For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. But it's meditating, it's thinking, it's allowing God's word to penetrate deep into the heart. And when I do, when I personalize it, when I believe God is speaking to me, and he is, that's not the question. The question is, is my heart open to listening to him? Am I listening? Am I saying, God, speak to me? As David said, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from thy law. And that's a good prayer to prayer, a good prayer to pray, or something like that. You know, when you're reading God's word. And what's the result? They bring life. They bring healing to the whole body. And so if our hearts are going to be healthy physically, we need proper nutrition. If our hearts are going to be healthy spiritually, we need proper nutrition. We need to be meditating on God's word every day. Let me ask you, are you meditating on God's word? Guard your hearts above all else and he shows us what we're to do we need good nutrition and this is where it comes from if we're going to have healthy hearts a second thing of course with our hearts is not only do we need good nutrition but we we need uh, regular exercise my doctor tells me in fact the last time I saw him he said Rick if if at the end of the day it's 10 o'clock at night and you haven't done something I want you to get up and I want you to walk around your block, a big block, two times. Do it, but do it every day. And we, in the same way that to keep our hearts, our physical hearts healthy, we need to exercise. We need to exercise to keep our spiritual hearts healthy as well. What that means is apply God's word to every area of your life. Listen to the verses that now follow, verse 23. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from co corrupt speech. In other words, apply. Apply, uh, apply God's word in all that you say. Are there words and, and, uh, that you speak that maybe come out of your mouth that, that if you were to realize God was standing next to you, you would say, uh, I'm sorry. Is your, are your words encouraging? Are they edifying? Do they build up? How are you speaking to your spouse, to your children, to those who, who you work with? Are your words building them up? Avoid all perverse talk. We're to apply God's word to every area. That includes all we say. It also includes, secondly, in verse 25, in all we think, look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. And so we're to guard what we see because our eye gate determines how we think. And how we think is critical for how we live. And so, so apply it in all your thinking. In all you say and in all you think. And then finally in verses 26 and 27, in all you do. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. 
Are you applying God's word to your life? Are you exercising? If you're going to have a healthy physical heart, you need proper nutrition and you need to exercise. And if you're going to have a healthy spiritual heart, and God longs that we would, then every day we need to meditate on his word. And every day we need to be applying God's word to every area of our lives, to what I say, to what I think, to what I do, in my relationships with others, those at home especially. But God longs that our hearts would be filled not with uh, the things of this world that would con control us. And whatever fills our heart is what control controls us. But God says, don't be filled with wine, don't be drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery, it leads to bad things. But be filled with the Spirit. Don't allow the things of this world to fill your life, but make sure every day you're filling your heart anew and afresh by meditating on God's Word and applying it, applying it to your life. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Is that what you want for your life? It's what God longs to be true in all of our lives. And that's why he says to us, guard your hearts and guard your hearts above all else for your heart determines the course of your life. Would you stand with me and we're going to say that together one more time as we close this morning. Proverbs 4.23, let's say it together. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's what shines away for us, Lord, in the darkness of life. Thank you that you tell us all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that we might be equipped for every good work, that our lives might bring you great honor and glory and praise. Lord, we need your help because our hearts are prone to wander. They're just symptomatic of that nature that we were born with, apart from your Holy Spirit's filling. And yet when the Spirit fills our lives, something different happens. The fruit of the Spirit is born. Fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. <laughs> and Lord, wow, that's what you long to be true in our lives. And that's what we ask, Lord, but we need your help. Help us, Lord, to guard our hearts above all else for our hearts are what determine the course of our life. And we long, long that that course would bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.